So one of the challenges, I think, in confessions in general is that most of them are asking this basic question and trying to answer it. What do we know and how do we know it? What do we know and how do we know it? Hold on to the text for a little while. I will get there. Leave that right there. What do we know? How do we know it? There's a whole area of study that philosophers and theologians and others talk about this. It's a great word. It's called epistemology. It's the study of knowing. How do I know what I know? How do people know things? I got to use it in my doctoral dissertation as part of the title. It was great. I got to use it. It's got six syllables. Now, now C.S. Lewis would say, never use more than three syllables and two if you can. Because there's no reason to extend words unless you're German. And, and, uh, and then there are words, just, they just add another word to a word to make another word. But um, the study of, and the science of knowing things, how you approach that, the things that you do to learn stuff affects what you end up doing. How I approach learning, how I approach facts, how I approach what I know really does affect how I behave. And it affects the outcomes of what I think. There was a book some time ago called, by Alistair McIntyre, and he wrote a little book called After Virtue. It's not a little book. It's probably about 400 pages long. But um, it's, it's a, a significant book in this, um, for me, in several different ways. But he talks about um, in the book, he says that when we have a public discourse, he asks the question, why does it become so shrill so fast? Why is it that if we have a conversation about politics, um, that, that it doesn't take much time before people are angry and they are shouting at each other or they just clam up? Why is it that it is so hard to have these conversations? Why is it so hard to have a conversation about something that's important to you? Religion can be the same way, where it's, it just becomes shrill. I believe it because I believe it. We kind of get to that point. You will stomp your foot, and you just go, ugh, it's maddening, isn't it? And what McIntyre would say is the reason the conversations get shrill is we don't know why we believe what we believe. We don't know the undergirdings of our arguments, and so pretty quickly, we exhaust all of our reasons very fast. And then we revert to just, well, that's, that's just what I think. I'm entitled to my opinion, right? And you can't go any further with it. We never had civil discourse in my family growing up. There's always a battle. And, uh, and so we learned to not raise issues. So we didn't learn a lot together, um, except how to hide ourselves. We can become defensive of our positions, but we aren't reflective of why we hold the views we hold. I'd say most of us believe things that we have not reasoned ourselves to believing. We've not thought our way to them. They're a combination of our life experience, conversation. Uh, uh, they're the, the fulfillment of what P. 
people have said to us, done to us, and, and phrases we liked and thoughts we enjoyed. And we've put those together. That becomes our belief, mostly. My children had some great Sunday school teachers. They had some bad ones. They had some that we had to, we had to you know, they'd tell us what they learned and we'd have to help our children unlearn it. It was all right because what they mostly learned in Sunday school was that these adults really love us and care about us. But one of their Sunday school teachers, uh, Don Schulze, and I hope Don watches this at some point and, uh, and gets to smile from it. Don Schulze taught our kids when they were in junior high and senior high. And he had the, he had the high school Sunday school group, which was a rather sizable group at Tribuco at, ta- at the time. And uh, he would, uh, like he would teach the book of, uh, he had a few in his pocket that he really liked to do. And so he would take these kids through these passages and then each section he would look and say, so what are the issues that are contemporary issues? He just liked creating a, a, a stir in the classroom. So what he would do is he would raise the topic and one that would, would um, require a strong emotional response from the students and root it in scripture and let them have at it. And they would. And they'd argue and they'd raise their opinions. And then Don would ask as they're going through it and some kid would would state their opinion, and this is his question to them. And it's the question I think we need to ask us all, ourselves as well. What informs you on your opinion? My kids learned that in junior high. What informs you on your opinion? It, is, it may be one of the best questions to ask in our time. That a lot of people will come up to it and they'll be stumped by it. We may be stumped by it. I have been over the years. But this idea, what informs you on your opinion? How do you know what you believe? How did you get there? What informs you? Who informs you? When I went off to seminary, I think I've told you that uh, my friend Earl Palmer just said, so... Take someone with you that you trust. I chose C.S. Lewis. He was long since passed, but I took his books and his writings, and they became the stuff that I trusted so I had a foil or I had some sort of um, way of just examining a, a reference point to the things I was learning. Sometimes I disagree with Lewis. Sometimes I'd agree with Lewis. Often it was some mix of being informed. But I trusted Lewis as a faithful interpreter of the Christian life. Karl Barth, 20th century theologian, um, talks about revelation, not the revelation of, though he talks about that too at the end of the New Testament, but revelation, the revealing of things. And he talks about it this way. He says that God alone reveals himself. 
that what we know of God is exclusively shared with us by God in no other place. We cannot deduce who God is from this side of the curtain. We cannot look at nature. We get hints. We get uh, what we would call a, a foretaste. But we cannot know God and everything about God unless God shows God's self to us. He's ruthless on this. We only know what's been shared. What we know of God is quite apart from our ability to understand. It's critical in Bart's theology. He wrote volumes about this. Ultimately, God is revealed through us through Scripture and ultimately in the person of Jesus. So our text this morning says this. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. I want you to... You leave that up. You can leave that up for the sermon. That's fine. We'll just keep it there so we can reference it. Our text just reinforces that God has made Jesus himself known through his son, Jesus. That's it. So I, I, I texted my daughter yesterday, who's the Bart scholar, and I said, so summarize summarize uh, Bart's thinking on Revelation. And she was a little cheeky. She just, just said, Jesus Christ. And it's like, <laughs> that's it. That's the point. That actually is Bart's theology on Revelation. That Jesus Christ is it. That in Jesus, we see everything we can possibly know this side of heaven of who God is. When I think about this text, I think about it that there's a relationship between um, God the Father and God the Son in this. And it says that the Son is close to the Father's heart. I, um, I've shared with you in the past that there's a, a word in the New Testament. It's monane. It means to, to um, abide or to dwell and, and it comes, we see it often in 1 Corinthians um, where it talks about abiding in the vine. And um, it also is seen in the Gospel of John. And it is an, it's, says that the beloved disciple um, abided or rested next to uh, Jesus' heart at the Last Supper. And... Uh, earlier in the gospel, it says that um, when Jesus was being uh, disbelieved and persecuted, he went back to the place where he was baptized and he abided there close to his baptism. And the image is of a child being held by its parent close to its chest. 
I, I, I've shared with you perhaps in the past, but I have a picture of me with one of our daughters, and I did it with both of them, and I, they just were sleeping on my chest. Do you remember what that's like? It's, you feel like you can get your heartbeats in rhythm. It's the most intimate of things. And that's the relationship Jesus has with his Father. And it's the relationship that you and I are to have with Jesus. This closeness. It's a gift. I know my friends because they share themselves with me. I know my friends because they let me see inside on Friday night, I was with a friend of mine. We'd been estranged for some time. And, and he was in town to speak, do some speaking. And, and um, we'd had a, 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 just a major interruption of our friendship. And um, it was so wonderful to be with him on Friday night. And again on Saturday. And to have him share his life again with me and me with him. And it went back to that intimacy. It was this sense of our relationship is born out of revealing what's going on. Our relationship with God, what we know, what we confess, is that what we know of God comes out of this closeness to Jesus. We abide. We leave behind other source knowledge when it comes to being confident in our beliefs about God. We believe, we leave behind all the additions, all the conditions that we want to add to what we believe. And the Scots Confession says this to us. You, the Scots Confession once again just says we need to cleave To God alone. We must serve God alone. We must worship God alone. We must put our trust in God alone. And how do we know who God is? We look at Jesus. The revelation we have in the scripture of who that is. I introduced a prayer to you some time ago to pray for others. It's modeled after the text in Ephesians 3. And I want you to think about this prayer for yourself and for others as the prayer for people to know God. For God to reveal the very character of what it means to be God. Prayer goes like this. I bow before you, Father, you from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of your glorious riches you would strengthen me with power through your spirit in my heart through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, I would have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp 
How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses human knowledge. Scott's confession is important to us because we will not reason ourselves to who God is. But God has been willing to share Jesus so we might see, believe, and most importantly, follow. Pray with me.